Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Matt Corey of BP Boston. Um, Matthew Corey, how are you today? I'm good, Jake. How are you doing? I'm doing better than the Red Sox bullpen. <laughs> it's been a bit of a rough day for uh, for pitchers of all sorts today in Baltimore. Um, but as is often the case, talking about a game as it is live while on a podcast is a terrible idea. <laughs> So um, I think we should uh, move on to our agenda items. True. Yes, we're only six relievers into this game, so we uh, we have plenty of other stuff to talk about. Um, I, will, I will say this: I, I certainly will freak out depending on what happens in this game. <laughs> Just so you know. Well, well, good. Um, let's let's talk about that bullpen um, as it relates to David Price. David Price has recently been activated from the DL. Uh, they decided to move him to the bullpen. Uh, and things went well in his first appearance. He threw 21 pitches over two scoreless innings. Uh, he used his breaking pitches as something that he hasn't done before. He hit 95, threw a curveball, a cutter, a changeup. He, he looked kind of like David Price is supposed to look. Uh, yeah. My question to you, Matt, is is it the right move to keep him in the bullpen uh, for the remainder of the year and through the playoffs? Or should they think about you know letting this guy loose again? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a large portion of the answer to this question is is medical uh, information that that we don't possess. So, uh, you know, in that sense, it's it's really hard to answer. I, I think he has a lot more value to the Red Sox as a starting pitcher, but I'm I'm guessing that you know he, 
the health the health of his arm um, prevents him from entering that role with any certainty. I mean, but part of that is where we are in the season. There's just not enough time to ramp him back up in a you know in a cautious sort of way, given the given the money and years remaining on his contract. Like that, the team has an obligation to obviously to the player, but but to themselves to you know to be gentle um, with with price. And I just don't think that, you know, mid-September they can do that. Um, so I, I think that's a big part of the problem. As far as him in the bullpen, I, you know, it, it's hard not to like him in the bullpen. He he looked fantastic, um, you know, the other day. Uh, like you said, he threw two innings. He got some strikeouts. Uh, his his off-speed pitches were good. He was in the mid-90s with this fastball. I mean, if that's what you're going to get, that's – especially for two innings. I mean, that's fantastic and, and incredibly valuable to the Red Sox, especially if, and I may be jumping ahead here, Doug Fister ends up with a start um, in the playoffs. So uh, do I like uh, Price in the in the pen? Yeah, I really do. Um, I wish he could be a starter. Um, I'm hopeful that whatever his problem is uh, can be solved over the offseason and he can come back as a starter next year. I, I wouldn't call myself optimistic about that, but I'm hopeful. Um, but as far as, you know, whatever they can get out of him now, I, I think the bullpen is probably their, their best bet for getting value out of, out of David Price in, in 2017. Yeah, I agree. I think it's too much of a risk to move him to the starting uh, rotation at this point. I just think that it's going to take some time to get him stretched out. You uh, were completely right. We don't know what the medical situation is and, whether or not that's even possible, but we do know uh, from this extremely small sample size that his stuff looks like it's working right now. Um, and a bullpen role is a place where he could be an incredible weapon. And uh, we saw what Andrew Miller did in the playoffs, and I'm not going to equate two innings of uh, David Price um, to to Andrew Miller because that would be the ultimate in hyperbole, but um, there's, there's no uh, doubting the fact that the Red Sox could use another huge weapon in the bullpen right now. Um, when I look at that unit, I see Craig Kimbrell, I see Addison Reed, and I see a whole bunch of question marks. Um, and whether or not that's fair, um, that's sort of the way that it's been as of late. Um, and so if you can add a weapon like David Price, who can really shorten games for you down the stretch and into the playoffs, I think that's that's nothing but a positive uh, for this team. So I'm really excited about the prospect of watching reliever David Price because when we had Alex Spear on, he mentioned uh, well, we were talking about the last time David Price pitched out of the bullpen. Uh, we were on the receiving end of some pretty nasty stuff in 2008. So uh, yes. maybe he can do that to some other teams. That'd be good. That would be nice. That would be nice. I, I'm a little more optimistic about the bullpen overall than, than it sounds like you are. I mean, obviously Kimbrell is you know fantastic, um, and I'm hoping that you know, Farrell's going to call on him for more than a, a one-out save, um, you know, once the playoffs come around. Um, but there's also Brandon Workman, and I've been really impressed with uh, with him. Like you said, there's Reed. And then, you know, any starter that isn't in the rotation in the playoffs, especially in a short series where you only need three starters, you can pull from those other guys. So you can have an Eduardo Rodriguez come um, – you know, come out of the, uh, come out of the bullpen. And I mean, I, I, I love that idea. You know, you can get as many as one or two, three innings out of a guy like that potentially. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I think they're probably a little stronger in the pen than than people are giving them credit for, um, and and that's you know saying something because they the bullpen has been fantastic this year. Um, I you know I don't know if you assembled this same group of guys and put them on the 2018 Red Sox if they would be as good, but but that's the that's what's actually happened. They they've been very good. So there you go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the unit has been really good as a whole for the year. Uh, I think that what we're seeing right now is probably just a little bit of fatigue on the part of some guys, like maybe um, uh, Matt Barnes kind of stands out to me as a guy who's, who's faded a little bit. And you mentioned yeah. Workman, who has been just an incredible surprise this year coming back and pitching as well as he has. But um, since the 24th of August, he's given up uh, two runs, one run, one run, one run, another run, and a run tonight. So that's uh, six, seven appearances uh, over the last uh, couple weeks uh, where he's given up runs. So uh, he has faded a little bit as of late. And you have to wonder a little bit whether or not, um, you know, ramping up and going from where he was in the spring, which it was almost unimaginable that he'd be doing what he's doing now, uh, to doing what he is doing. Uh, I wonder if that has kind of caught up with him a little bit. So um, there's just a little bit of concern there for me, and maybe it's overblown at this point. It's still a pretty good unit. So No, you make a good point about Workman. I, 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 like, his, I like his stuff a lot, and he's, he's not walking guys. So uh, you know, out of the bullpen, I, I like the possibility of, of you know, his – mid nineties and then the slider and throw something else too. I, I'm not sure if it's a change up or something. Um, but he's, he's throwing strikes and I, I, I'm optimistic that that, you know, that'll play. Um, even though like you point out, he did give up a run tonight. He's given up, you know, runs, like you said, um, they classify yeah, guys, that so, pitch as a, uh, curveball and a, a cutter that he throws. So those, that, that cutter might look a little like a slider at times too. Yeah, yeah, that's probably where my confusion comes from. Um, in any case, uh, e- even without Workman, even if I'm wrong about him, um, then I, I still think you're, uh, you know, you've got a, a four or five deep bullpen where you can, um, you know, where you can really, you know, shut another team down. So I think the, I, you know, I think that's especially considering you know, the starting rotation is, is the strength of, of this team, um, or, or at least one of the strengths of this team that should, uh, they should be able to go, you know, longer than you would hope five, five innings in the playoffs. So, uh, once, once you, uh, you know, get to the sixth or seventh inning, then, you know, you've got those five guys, you can, you can mix and match a little bit, especially if you've got a lead. So let's talk about that starting rotation a little bit. And, uh, Doug Fister pitched tonight. He didn't pitch particularly well. He went two innings and gave up five runs. Going all the way back to June 25th, Fister has only given up four or more runs uh, four other times uh, besides that. So he's been a really, really good pitcher uh, for the better part of, you know, two, three months now at this point. So it's it's hard to think that uh, he's not going to be a part of that playoff rotation, even with the back-to-back bad starts here. Um, are you worried at all about those back-to-back starts? Do you think that's a sign of anything going forward, or is this just a blip in the radar? And I mean, is the sample size now big enough that we can say that uh, Doug Fister is a pretty reliable guy at this point? No, I don't think you can say he's a pretty reliable guy at this point. Um, given 
you know, the way his last two seasons went, uh, I, I think it's it's pretty easy to have a couple bad starts and go, uh-oh, and, and, and fairly so. I mean, considering, you know, this guy didn't um, couldn't make the Angels rotation this year, that is incomprehensible to me. I mean, part of that could be, you know, um, stupidity on the part of the Angels. Right. Uh, missing missing out on this the but you know he he's not uh, he he's not like some you know amazing uh, stuff guy he he's got uh, he, he's walking a fine line here you know and the walks are, are are kind of an issue for him like if you look at his walk rate through you know when he was really good it was pretty low mm. and it's gone up and it's, it's stayed up, you know, this year he, he's made up for it with strikeouts. I don't think he struck anyone out tonight. I think that's, you know, part of the thing he's got to strike guys out because the walk rate is a little too high for, for a guy who's, you know, given up so much contact, uh, as, as he traditionally has. So am I concerned about him? Yeah, I am. Um, right now I am concerned enough that I probably wouldn't give him a postseason start, I, I would I would probably go with Porcello and and Eduardo uh, over over him, um, but you know there's there's more of the season left. We're not done yet, and my guess is if he has two really good starts between now and the end of the year, or three or whatever the number is, then uh, you know opinions will change. A lot of this stuff is you know is guesswork and playing the hot hand. So, um, but yeah, I mean for me these last two starts and especially tonight where he just looked just um you know it's he's he's pitched himself off the off the playoff rotation if if it were up to me yeah it's interesting um it seemed like just last week before these back-to-back starts it was not a conversation of whether or not he's going to be on the postseason roster it was like all right how many guys is he going to pass is he going to be the third guy to take the ball for this team or uh i even heard um uh, lou merloni on the baseball show say you know, maybe you'd want to put him in between Sale and Porcello just to switch up the righty-lefty thing. Um, so that's how good he was throwing the ball. Uh, conversely, over that time frame, Eddie, over his last three starts, has looked really good. He only gave up two earned runs against Toronto, one earned run against Oakland, and then two earned runs against Tampa Bay. Granted, he's not exactly facing a murderer's row there. Uh, those yeah. three teams suck. Uh, but the, the strikeout numbers were really good for him, and in two of those starts, he only walked one guy. Um, so maybe we are seeing an Eduardo Rodriguez that's rounding into form. So I think that's a it's a big possibility. Um, I I still think though that your best postseason roster is one where Eddie Rodriguez is a weapon out of the bullpen because he does have that strikeout stuff and he does pitch from the left side than it is with Doug Fister. Because if Doug Fister's not in your rotation, Doug Fister's not on your postseason roster, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's prob- probably true. And I haven't, you know, gone through and made a postseason roster, but um, but I off the top of my head, I think that's that's mostly correct. I I think, though, with when you're selecting starting pitchers, you know, for a postseason start, what you need to ensure against is the disaster start, right? I mean... You just it's okay to to you know pitch five innings and give up four runs. Mm-hmm. you can you can survive that. And if a you know in the postseason, if a guy you know gives up um, you know two runs in the in the third inning and a run in the fourth, 
you know, he's probably not even staying in for the fifth, depending on who it is, you know. Right. It, you, you've got a pretty quick hook in, in the postseason. What you need to avoid is five runs in the first inning, five runs in the second inning. And that's exactly what Fister has done these last couple outings. Um, and, you know, that his, uh, his first inning, I mean, that's been the big problem for him. Like, even when he was pitching well, he would still give up runs in the first inning. I forget um, what the exact stat is, but I think he had an ERA before tonight in the in the first inning over six um and you know that's that's problematic when you're facing a team like you know the indians or the astros or the yankees so um i i think i would be inclined to uh to start a guy who has a higher floor um and probably a similar ceiling quite honestly um but i i think you need to ensure against the the disaster start um especially with this offense which you know Tonight accepted. I mean, the way that they managed to come back from down six to one in this in this game is is great. But this is not a you know a, <laughs> a high flying big comeback kind of offense. They're right. they're they're just not that good uh, in terms of in terms of hitting. They, they don't have the power to do that. You have to string way too many hits together, and that is a that's a tough thing to do in the postseason when you're facing you know Dallas Keuchel, Corey Kluber, et cetera, et cetera. So. Anyway, that's that's the reasoning why I still wouldn't go with Fister. Yeah, I have to push back a little bit on that though because the the one thing that you said there was you have to protect against the blow up start, and I really think that if you're if you're looking to protect against the blow up start, um, none of these options are looking <laughs> particularly good to you because Porcello has given up more home runs and gotten eliminated more than almost anybody in baseball this year in the first two innings. Um, so he is certainly not somebody who is going to be immune to that. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is king blow up in the first inning when he's not 100% healthy. Um, and he's done that but, a number of times this year. But he is now. That's the thing, right? Well, I mean, I, well we've seen him for three starts that, that that he looks that way, right? But the, the, the right. three starts before that were terrible. So I guess yeah. what I'm saying is that like this thing is going to come down to probably the last week. Uh, yeah. Before the postseason, before John Farrell looks at these three uh, not so great options and chooses two um, yeah. or, or yeah. one, but like we can't feel great about the prospects of any of them at this moment, I, right? Yeah, no, I just have a lot more confidence, I guess it is, in in, in those, uh, you know, in Porcello and in uh, Eduardo because of uh, track record and pedigree, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're you know, and we're talking about, uh, you know, and it depends on how, how far back you're willing to look, right? I mean, if you're looking just this year, obviously, maybe, you know, Porcello is the odd man out. If you're talking about just the last two years, well, Porcello is going to pitch. He won the Cy Young last year. Um, you know, things change the further back you go. Um, but, you know, I think when you're looking at, at, at Fister's stuff, when you're looking at the way that he's pitched recently – uh, I, I think it's for me anyway, it, it's a pretty easy call at this point. Now, like I said, there's going to be some more starts between now and then, um, now and when the decision has to be made. And I imagine, you know, the calculus will, will change a little bit based on that. So, so we'll have to, we'll have to see, but, but for now, I, I think, um, you know, I think, I think Chris sale and then, uh, you know, then Pomerantz and then, then I'd probably go Eduardo. And then, I mean, that's, that's the first series. So. Well, 
Fair enough. I I think that that is as reasonable as as any rotation I could put together at this point. Um, all of it's not going to matter though if the Red Sox can't hit in the postseason. And I read a really uh, sort of mind blowing line from uh, Jen McCaffrey today in one of her articles. It's a fantastic article as usual from her. But she says in 36 games in the second half entering Thursday. Uh, Christian Vasquez was hitting 339 with an 880 OPS, six doubles, a triple, and three homers. Um, he is our DH tonight in the Red Sox game and has two more hits. Yeah, um, one it, of them was a double. <laughs> yeah, it, this is incredible. And I, I guess I want to just take a second to reflect on how incredible this is for a guy who was thought to maybe not hit enough to be an everyday player at one point. Um and I want to ask you the question, is this a positive or is this an indictment on the offense that a guy like this is being relied on at the DH spot at this point? Like, you know, is, is this a sign of doom? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. I can't tell whether I'm happy or, like, really worried about this. Yeah, uh, it's funny. When you sent me the notes, I didn't completely grasp what you meant by, like, an indictment of the offense. And then hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, oh, now I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I think it is an indictment of it's – well, it's an indictment of a couple things. It's an indictment of Hanley Ramirez primarily, right? Yep. Um, Who and, recently had that MRI and is not healthy. Right. And so that's the other thing is, is Hanley Ramirez's health. Um, I mean ideally speaking, you're talking about a guy who's going to hit close to 300 and slug you know, 530 or something. Um, but that, that player has not showed up this year really at any point. Um, and so, you know, the team is kind of scrambled to, to, you know, and, and also, you know, continue to play him to the extent that they can in hopes that he, you know, that, that the player they wanted to, you know, that the production they were hoping for would show up. So, but I think at this point you just, you have to make do with what you got. And, and Vasquez is, is, you know, like, like, uh, Jim McCaffrey pointed out, it's, he is the hot hand right now. So it makes sense. Uh, you know, it makes sense to, to, to put him out there while he's hitting. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, Pedroia hit, uh, took a foul ball off the face tonight. So in addition to what's he got a knee problem also and, and a thumb problem or something. And, um, I mean, there's there's just a laundry list of stuff with that that gentleman. So and you know, Eduardo is is Eduardo Nunez is out. Um, Devers has not been hitting, on and on and on. So I, I think you just gotta you know take the, take the best, um, the, make make the best out of it that you possibly can. And and uh, I'm actually kind of happy that um, that Farrell is doing that. Um, you know. Yeah, so I'll, I'll end it on that. Uh, I, I'm happy that Farrell's doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think it's very clearly his best option right now at DH. Um, and it's crazy that you're relying on a guy who was, you know, your second catcher uh, on opening day uh, yeah. as, your, as your DH right now. But I want to talk about Hanley for a second because I don't think we've spelled out on this show yet this year um, how remarkably bad Hanley Ramirez has been. Um, yeah. In the second half so far, he has a 206 average, uh, and he's hit for nine home runs during that span. Uh, if you take July out of the equation where he batted a respectable 271 uh, with six home runs, he's been a pretty pathetic player on the entire year, and he's hit lefties at a 188 clip. 
So this guy has been just a shell of himself uh, pretty much the entire year and has not been a reliable piece offensively. Uh, he's been well below average, and this is a guy, I mean, 22 home runs on the surface, that looks okay, but everything else under that's been really ugly, and he's just been so trick-or-treat. So, um, you know, you mentioned all the other warts going on with the offense it's really difficult to see where this is going to come from. Um, and, and you talked about Devers, too. I think that that's yeah. someone we need to talk about, considering he's gone 26 games now. And if this one finishes up, it'll be 27 in a row uh, without a home run, where he's batting like 224 during that time span. So, you see, I, he had two hits tonight, though. Um, so that's, uh, that's nice. It is, yeah. That That's a good sign, and hopefully he can adjust. But so far, the adjustment hasn't happened. I guess right. the, the, the two positives we can take out of this are Xander Bogarts is starting to look a little bit better recently, and Mookie Betts has started to look a lot better recently. And those are really the guys, along with Andrew Benintendi, who's been really good, um, that you're going to be relying on come the postseason. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I wrote a piece for BP Boston last Friday on the 15th um, about – titled how the Red Sox just won the World Series. And, and so I sort of worked backwards from um, suppose the Red Sox win the World Series, how could they possibly pull that off? Uh, and I, I think you're gonna need you're gonna need some superhuman performances from, you know, guys who haven't given that to you during the course of the year. Um, because as we talked about, the offense just hasn't really been there this this season. So David Ortiz is not walking through that door as much as we all would love him to, but someone's gonna have to have to hit like him in the postseason. Um, you know, if you look at the 2013 World Series, which is, is sort of the, uh, you know, the, our, our most recent uh, Red Sox triumph, um, the, you know, the whole uh, whole team really didn't hit at all, <laughs> with the exception of Ortiz. And Ortiz hit something like six, seventeen, eight, whatever, and then with a 1,200 slugging. I mean, it was. It was utterly nuts. Yeah. Uh, and uh, without that, you know, I'm not sure the Red Sox would have scored. Uh, so you're going to need somebody like, you know, like Hanley to uh, to suddenly get healthy and turn it on. That's seeing that's sounding less and less likely considering, you know, the fact that he just had an MRI on his shoulder. Uh, I think a more uh, likely candidate is someone like Mookie Betts, who's had a, a you know, a pretty uh, weak second half of the season, but like you said, is, is starting to turn it on a little bit. Uh, he had a, a, a pretty hard hit uh, double down the left field line today, Monday, uh, with the bases loaded, some pretty huge um, in, in the moment there. Um, if, if he's able to do that in the postseason, you know, then then the team is gonna 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 have some success, I think. Yeah, you know, I I really liked your article um, that you wrote oh. and. I thought it was interesting, and it, what I started thinking about after reading the article, um, as you how wrong out, I am? <laughs> n- not how wrong you are, um, <laughs> but which of these three things is most likely is kind of oh, what I started that's... thinking about, and I think if I was to rank them in terms of the bullpen stepping up, starting pitching stepping up, or someone turning into David Ortiz, yeah. uh, oddly enough, I think I'm betting on a random solo like offensive performance like a totally 
insane series from a guy like Mookie Betts or, you know, Mitch Moreland or, you know, someone, someone on the team just going bananas. Um, I think that's really the way that this team separates itself because the starting pitching in bullpen have just felt so much more stable to me this year um, than the offense has. And I really think that the offense is going to be the deciding factor come the postseason. No, I think I, I think you're right. Um, I don't know that I would rank that as the most likely thing, but I could definitely see Mookie just rediscovering that. You know, if you remember what he did last year against the Orioles, whenever the Orioles showed up, you know, dude was off the hook. And it's it, I, I could see that kind of thing happening where, you know, where we reach a point where they're almost like just intentionally walking him every time he comes up. Um, by the way, I sold Ortiz short on the 2013 World Series. He he didn't hit 620 or something. He hit 688. Um, so that's fairly good. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. Um, the uh, the rest of the team, just just for just for reference, the rest of the team, not including Ortiz, hit 169, 225 with a 309 slugging percentage. <laughs> so so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the rest of the Red Sox can manage that. Uh, I, I think it's <laughs> finding someone to hit 688 with a uh, with a 1.188 slugging percentage is uh, that's going to be the taller order of the day. Um, it's it's sort of funny too that 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 seems like a more likely scenario as opposed to you know Chris Sale going all Madison Bumgarner on us, right? right. I mean, after the first half, I mean, uh, of the season. I think that would have been the more likely scenario, you know, say sale, just crushing one team in a short series. Um, but now that seems like that's unlikely and it, it wouldn't even shock me if, uh, based on how sale is pitched that, you know, he doesn't even shut the other team down completely. Um, yeah, and, and I think that brings up a big predicament. Like, what does John Farrell do with Chris Sale right now? Because he posted a 438 ERA in August, a 394 so far in September. He hasn't no. looked like himself. Should they shut him down? I mean, I think that this notion of pitching him so he can get to 300 strikeouts um, is probably not the right move at this point for a team with a three-game lead in the division I think that Cy Young race with Kluber is probably uh, looking more and more difficult by the day for him to be the the favorite in. So if I was John Farrell right now, I would make sure that Chris Sale has all the extra rest and R&R that he needs. And I would not worry about like him losing his sharpness or anything like that. I, I really think it's fatigue at this point with this guy. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't. I mean, and I don't say that to disagree with you. I I legitimately don't know. I you know the the thing about you know Sale is he's had this you know sort of catalog throughout his career where you know he kind of wears down in the second half, um, and I I wonder uh, about that. But I also wonder if you know if shutting him down or, or giving him extra rest if if that is really you know the the antidote um i almost said anecdote i get those two words confused um and i just i don't know that that solves the problem 
So yeah, I mean, he's never pitched in the postseason, so I guess it's really yeah. difficult to know uh, whether or not that solves the problem. But you're right. I mean, he's been a 2.74 career ERA in the first half, 3.28 in the second half. That's a pretty sizable difference. I mean, both are great, but yeah, it's it's been it's been really different. Well, it's going to be tough because you know they're going to face a really good pitcher to lead off the uh you know whatever series they they play in and i actually um even before the indians went on that insane run i I felt like the red sox probably matched up a little bit better against the astros than they do against the indians just i totally agree just because of the pitching Uh, i think the red sox actually have an advantage over the astros in in terms of the pitching staff and um i don't is hurt again by the way i'm sorry mccullers is hurt again by the way so i think that even strengthens that idea yeah, it, it may, you know, although if you remember last year, <laughs> we were all psyched to face the Indians um, because all, all of their starting pitchers were hurt. And, yeah, that uh, went well. Yeah, that did not, yeah. So um, in any case, moving on, uh, I don't even remember what I was saying now. Uh, oh, uh, sale. Yeah, so yeah, sale scares me uh, right now, but it's the kind of thing like like you and I were talking about before – uh, before the recording, you know, where, you know, the sort of fantasy uh, implications you, and you kind of got to ride the guy who, uh, who got you there. And I, mm-hmm. I think I was going to do that. I think, you know, sale is, is one of the best pitchers in baseball and um, he's just going to trust him to go out there and, and perform. And I think that's, you know, the Red Sox kind of have to, you know, th- this is the cliche time, I guess, of the podcast. They have to, you know, you dance with the, the one you brought and, that's that's just the way it is and you got to hope that that sale pulls it together and you know improves his command and outpitches Kluber that's mm-hmm. a, a tough uh tough order but but that's that's where we are right yeah he's got to bring his dancing shoes that's right <laughs> yeah you know just as we're talking about this the Red Sox team just went into the 10th inning again and uh I don't have the stat in front of me but anecdotally I think this team has gone to extra innings more than any team in baseball this year. I'm just throwing that out there. I have no idea whether that's true, but that is exactly how it feels. I don't know that it's true either, but I do know that they have gone – that they've played more more innings than any team um, this year. So So it probably uh, is. Yeah. Uh, well, they, I mean, they've had a, a couple 15-inning games and a 19-inning game, so – you know that's that's sort of padding the stats, but uh, I'm looking it up here if I can. I don't know if they have one in. Is that extra innings? Yeah, yeah. The Red Sox are 13 and three in extra innings. Baltimore's 12 and two. Okay, so they've uh, played a fair number as well. Yeah, and nobody else. Oh, the the Giants are 12 and seven. Ooh, 13 uh, and two versus 12 and seven. So they've actually had more extra inning games than the Red Sox. 13 and 3 versus 12 and 7. Or 13 and uh, 3. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so they still played more. Yeah. Um, but although, they're, they're second, right? So they're second to the Giants. Yeah, although I think the Red Sox have played more innings. I think the Giants have played, you know, 10, 11, and 12 inning games where the Red Sox played 13, 15, and 19. <laughs> Take that, you last place idiots. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> well, we're they're in the 10th right now, and Moreland just hit one uh, to the warning track and, uh, you know, not, not enough. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. That doesn't help the amount that they've had to play this year, which is has got to be taking its toll. And, you know, I, I think back to a podcast that we did right at the All-Star break when we were looking at how favorably the schedule uh, yeah. looked for the second half of the year. And can you imagine if the Red Sox had played an opposite slate where they had a really easy first half and they had this incredibly hard uh, second half? Uh, coupled with all the stuff that they've experienced here, uh, innings-wise, it would just, I, I mean, I don't even think they'd be close to the division lead. So I think we have to be happy with the way that things have shaped up, considering all of the things that this team has gone through so far this year. No, I agree. I mean, if you look at, you know, the Pythagorean record, you know, the Yankees are way ahead of the Red Sox. Uh, I think it's like six games or something. And that's um, that's a giant jump, you know. Um, the Yankees are, I think, what is it, plus 175, and the Red Sox are plus 111, I think. Just quick math off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a pretty substantial difference. Not, you know, I, I used to to buy into that a whole lot more, but once you get to the end of the season, and the you know players are playing the way they're playing at that moment, and you know, the roster is much different than it was in you know in April and May. Uh, you know, you've had all the trades from July, and and so, you know, I you can't you can't put that down and say, okay, well, the Yankees are definitely a better team as composed right now uh, than the Red Sox are. But <laughs> um, I think uh, certainly over the course of the year, this Yankees team has has underperformed to how well you would expect them to, and you know, the Red Sox uh, have have maybe overperformed a little bit. Which, which is kind of nice for that to happen. I mean, if, if you go back, you know, to the the 2000s uh, and and look at how things uh, played out, you know, it was kind of the, the opposite. It seemed like every year the Yankees would way outplay what you would expect from them. They'd be, you know, 10 games up on the Red Sox, and, and you're like, what? No, that's not how it's supposed to be. Right. But, <laughs> I remember that feeling well. Yeah. And it, it does seem like every time the Yankees uh, win a game, the Red Sox win a game, and this this lead has been at three. But, you know, I, again, I'm going to reference the baseball show. I was watching it because, you know, Evan's been our great guest two times uh, on this show, Evan Drellick. Uh, so watch that if you, if you don't watch that show. Um, but he was just – He's just very adamant that this division is going to come down to like the last week of the season. And it just has that feel to it. It does feel like a little bit that the Red Sox have been avoiding this, uh, this, this possibly superior Yankees team, uh, for, for a decent chunk of the year, uh, certainly superior head to head. Um, and I'm not, uh, I'm not sold on it being a better team overall, but I think that there's an argument to be made that the Yankees are better. And, I don't feel like this division is in hand yet, even with those three games. And I know it's tough to make up three games in this amount of time, but I just feel like it's going to happen, man. It's going to it's gonna come down to it. I still think the Red Sox will hold them off, but I think by the time it's all said and done, it's going to be like a game. Yeah, you know, it, it sure could. Uh, it sure could happen, um, you know, especially given the fact that the, the Red Sox have, uh, you know, more games remaining against the Orioles and – I, I looked this up earlier today and, and put it out on Twitter. The uh, the Yankees have just destroyed the Orioles this year, and the Orioles have just destroyed the Red Sox this year. So, uh, what did I say? The Reds, the Yankees run differential is something like 170 something, mm-hmm. 66 plus 66 
of that was gained against just the Orioles. Yeah, um, that that pitching staff is tailor made for the Yankees. Yeah. Well, it's you know it does it doesn't seem to make any difference. I mean, over the course of a season, you're talking about what 19 different games against against each team. You're gonna you're going to get your chances against, you know, Ubaldo Jimenez, um, and you're going to get your chances against Kevin Gossman, for better or worse. And the Red Sox have not really had a whole lot of success against, you know, either of those uh, guys or any of the other uh, Oriole uh, pitchers. So I don't know. The Orioles are frustrating, but what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, I, I getting back to your point, Jake, I, I'm – I agree. I, I don't think the Red Sox are three games better than the Yankees. After tonight, they they may not be because Matt Barnes is into pitch now. Um, Ugh, so, wolf. yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's looking like uh, like it could come down, you know, to the to the end. Um, and you know, that really wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. No, it, it, it wouldn't. It would be, but it, you know, <laughs> the chance to beat the Yankees at the end of the season, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, unfortunately, the Red Sox close out with, uh, I think it's a four-game set against the Houston Astros, so that's going to be uh, no no easy task there, but um, it, it could be a precursor to the actual playoffs, so that might be a little bit cool. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing wraps up. I want to point out a couple more positive things before we go ahead and wrap up the podcast here. Um, Drew Pomerantz, uh, I just want to say how ridiculously wrong I was about the Pomerantz <laughs> trade. Um, I I fully eat my hat with Drew Pomerantz. He has just continuously gotten better uh, over the course of the season. He had a 3.6 ERA in the first half, 2.86 in the second half, uh, which is actually better than Chris Sale's second half ERA of 3.05. So, uh, he hasn't thrown anywhere near as many innings as Sale. No, no, definitely not even close to the workload, but yeah. it, it just really has been super impressive uh, from Pomerantz, and he has not been prone to the blowups. I mean, since since about May, he has been rock solid, uh, which is it's it's hard to imagine where this team would be without Drew Pomerantz right now. And uh, yeah, I... <laughs> kudos to Dombrowski, right? Yeah, no, I I didn't I didn't love it either. I remember when. Uh... You know when that trade came through, and and there was that I don't know half hour period or whatever sort of blackout time where um, we knew Pomerantz was coming to Boston, but we didn't know what was going the other way, and it was like, oh please let it be anyone, but <laughs> and of course there it was. It's like yeah. no, but uh, but yeah, I mean I I think uh, I think Dombrowski has uh, you know has has. Well, I mean, you know, he's got a proven track record. We've discussed this before, Jake. Uh, but at least with this one, you know, he's he's been proven right certainly a lot more than I think we would have expected. Yeah, um, every time I think one of his trades is going to be a big bag of suck, it comes back and it's amazing. So I'm fully expecting Thornburg to, like, be the best relief pitcher in baseball next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, one of these has to stay bad, right? One of them? Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. I, I'm not counting on it. I mean, we have we have time on our side for the Thornburg trade to still pan out. And Travis Shaw has been a quiet man in the second half. So Yeah, just uh, like he, Yeah, just exactly. Like he's he's very good at the second half vanishing act. 
Um, getting to the minor leagues of the Red Sox, I wanted to talk about the Greenville Drive a little bit because the Greenville Drive uh, just won the Sally League Championship, the South Atlantic League, uh, this year. And that's a roster that is not devoid of important talent uh, for the Red Sox coming up. Uh, I just want to throw some names out there that are on that roster. Uh, Jay Grom was on that roster uh, for some point. He didn't actually, I don't believe, pitch in the playoffs there because he's on the DL. Um, but he was on that roster. Darwinson Hernandez uh, is on that roster, a good pitching prospect for the Red Sox. He's a lefty. Uh, Brian Mata, a really good pitching prospect for the Red Sox, who's an international signee. Uh, he's a righty. He was the youngest player in the South Atlantic League this year at 18. Uh, he pitched well this season. Uh, and then on the position player side, Bobby Dahlbeck came back, was really important player, and Brett Netzer, uh, who was the fourth-round pick, a second baseman out of North Carolina, um, played extremely well down the stretch. And those two guys uh, really did a lot to help the team uh, win the championship. So it, it's it's sort of a small victory here, uh, winning an A-ball championship. But mm. I think it's cool, and it's really good for these guys' development. So just wanted to point that out a little bit. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I mean, uh, all of that is, is true and accurate and, and correct and, and good. I think winning is... Uh, you know, it's it's good at, for any point in the organization. You know, for guys to go through that playoffs and the pressure of the playoffs, and um, you know, deal with deal with that on, a, on an individual level. I think it can only make you stronger as you as you you know move move your way up the uh, the system and into the major leagues. So, um, yeah, kudos to the Greenville Drive. Congratulations to them, and uh, looking forward to seeing some of those guys up in Boston sometime soon. Yeah, it'll be uh, certainly exciting. Um, so anything else before we close it out today, Matt? Uh, no, the Red Sox are still going. They got through the 10th and on to the 11th. Um, I imagine by the time this game actually ends, Hanley Ramirez's shoulder will, uh, will have healed itself. Um, so, uh, you know, that's good news. Yeah, that is good news. And, uh, I, I want to just, uh, end the podcast by saying that, um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, negativity in the news lately with all these hurricanes that have been happening. And uh, baseball is, you know, the lifeblood of a lot of Caribbean nations. And unfortunately, those nations have been hit really hard by the hurricanes. So if you have uh, any willingness to donate to those causes, that's a good cause because a Category 5 Hurricane Maria uh, is on its way to the Caribbean right now as well. So those guys are just not getting a break. Uh, it's it's kind of sad to see. Yes, yes, I, I agree. Uh, Red Cross needs our money, and um, so do a, a number of outstanding organizations doing, you know, doing good work down there. So, yep, I agree, Jake. Yep. All right. Well, uh, with that, we will be with you next week at a similar time. Uh, you can rate and review this podcast. Uh, you can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, you can download us on pretty much any service. Uh, I think that we are on like everything right now google play itunes stitcher all of those good things so if you like the podcast leave us a note give us a comment uh tell us how great we are especially uh matt and his twitter handle at maddiemaddy2000 best in the biz um and uh you can follow me on twitter at, at devjake and uh thank you guys for downloading the show and listening and supporting us thanks guys <laughs>